Well, Evergreen, we have some invites for you today. And as you know, we've been doing our virtual group fair and it continues. So you still have time to check it out and connect. Women Growing Together groups, I'm gonna highlight two groups, but I want you to know that there is still time to sign up, okay? Several groups have already filled out, but there is still room for more. I wanna highlight two groups, um, and one of them is the Lactodivinia. I think I'm saying that right, and if I'm not, then you know what I'm talking about because I'm holding up the book. Um, but this one is one way to absorb God's word and, and hear his voice. So like a reflection, so we're inviting you to be a part of that. Also, we have another one, it's a prayer journal group, and this one has a new time. So it's moving from Monday to Thursday nights from seven to eight here at Evergreen. So check those out. We'd love for you to be a part of it. We don't want you to miss out. So, um, and also we just wanted to say thank you so much just um, for just being part of this community. I don't know if you know, but if you're a college student, we have a college group for you and we want you to check it out also. Again, go to the link that's gonna appear on the screen so that you can know more about that group. Um, and that going back to the being thankful for you, we are so grateful for your generosity. Thank you for giving. We wanted to make you aware that October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we are partnering with ARMS. And I just wanna share a little bit of what they're doing because they specifically give their time and their resources to helping victims and survivors. So ARMS has served over 30,000, you heard that number right, 30,000 victims and survivors since 1997. It's been offered here at ECC for 21 years and we they serve women across from the US, Kenya, Mexico, and soon in Canada. That's exciting. And things that we've seen is that there's been a 90% increase in domestic violence calls to police since COVID began. And ARMS hasn't missed a day in serving throughout the pandemic. So we are partnering with them to be able to help women in this situation. Would you consider giving a donation or a gift to that amount? The giving link will appear right below. There's so many ways you can give. And Evergreen, again, thank you for being so generous. Now let's lean in to the message about radical love. I miss you. I miss seeing you, laughing, hugging, talking, praying, and we're making plans to meet together soon. I'm also a COVID-19 veteran. <laughs> Two weeks of nasty symptoms kept me locked in the master bedroom and provided room service, then a slow recovery back to full energy. Uh, I have a lot more respect for this virus. Bonnie and I were fortunate with normal symptoms. My sister Joyce, however, was hospitalized for a week. So please stay wise and stay well. And thank you for your prayer and care. True confession, this week I got mad. I even cussed. I wanted to scarf my own bag of Doritos. I just received another link to a rant or prophetic idea or political tirade or rage about masks or church gatherings or the difference between faith and fear. 
What scientific study to disbelieve? What obscure anecdote to believe? Can you relate to that? Now, why not just add fuel to my fire? So I went ahead and scrolled Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Not a smart move if you want low blood pressure and loving feelings. That's why I limit myself to 30 minutes of media a day. I limit media to save my love, joy, and peace. In contrast, I joined 30 pastors from our area to, to laugh and listen and learn. It was refreshing, encouraging, and energizing. Now, we have very different opinions about priorities, politics, and practices. But our gathering was about what we share in common, the important stuff. Our experience was encouraging and empowering. Faith, hope, love. How about you? Think about a conversation or virtual exchange this week that left you feeling unloving, joyless, and upset. Now remember a connection that gave a joy burst. What was different? Well, one pulled down, the other lifted up. In Romans chapter 14, we learn to walk a wire that navigates intense disagreement while enjoying loving relationships. And then we're going to receive communion. These days, it feels like any group of three or more Americans talking politics can't make it past the first minute before animosity and cynicism boil over. Even our language is being torn apart. We are increasingly unable to agree on common meanings for common words, including those that define our nation's most fundamental values. For example, a focus group was asked, is America exceptional? And all the Republicans, along with most of the Democrats, said yes. But the same word means different things to different people. To Republicans, exceptional means that we are the best. That shining city on a hill, that beacon of hope, that greatest nation in the world. To, to Democrats, Exceptional means that there are things about America that they love. Freedom, opportunity, individual rights that make America great. Common words no longer have common meaning. In fact, about the only consistent trait that we all share is, is anger. Just take a glance at Facebook, Twitter, or comment section in publications we have slid from disagreement to disdain. Today, more than a quarter of Americans have terminated a friendship or cut off a member of their family since the 2016 election. That means that more than one in four of us have been excommunicated by someone once important in our lives. Because people, once who loved each other, now can't stand to listen anymore. 
an August nationwide survey by the Pew Research Center, identified top 12 issues for voters in the 2020 election. Here they are in order. The economy, healthcare, Supreme Court appointments, the coronavirus outbreak, violent crime, foreign policy, gun policy, race and ethnic inequity, immigration, economic inequity, climate change, and abortion. Wow. But to no surprise, Republicans, Democrats, independents, generations, ethnic and racial groups, and rural and urban and suburban residents hold very different views on these issues. Romans chapter 14 is the basis for our discussion of the favorite indoor sport of Christians, trying to change each other. Now, this has been a major problem in the church for 2,000 years. And the problem arises from our attitude that, well, God is clearly pleased with us, but, well, then there's those, those others around. They just flat out believe wrong. In the 21st century, the issues that divide Christians are different from those of the first century, but divided we are. The guidance Paul gives Roman Christians serves us well. So we learn in Romans 14 that God calls us first to do. Notice the four things. To accept each other. Do act loving. Do pursue, pursue peace and building up. And do, <laughs> I love this, Keep your opinions between you and God. Now, notice in this chapter, we're going to read in a moment, but he also gives us a list of four things to not do. First, do not treat with contempt. Do not judge. Do not be a stumbling block. And do not destroy the work of God. In a few minutes we will receive communion to express our solidarity with Jesus and each other. When we express contempt, when we judge, when we trip others up, we destroy the work of God. Jesus' physical body was broken so his spiritual body, the church, could be unified. So when we do accept, love, pursue, and, and restrain our opinions, we're participating in Jesus' unity. Well, let's go right to the source and read from Romans chapter 14. It says, starting with verse 1, Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. A one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? 
To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. So one person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Well, let's pause there and I'll read it for a moment. Isn't that so rich and full? What did you hear? It starts by saying, accept the one whose faith is weak. Weak faith does not mean not believing in Jesus. Instead, Paul is talking about the person whose faith in Christ requires additions, like dietary restrictions or other religious rules or cultural beliefs. It's Jesus plus. You fill in the blank. Paul's words to Rome were not dealing with nutrition. No, as a matter of fact, this arises out of, out of the first century background with real moral questions about eating meat. Uh, Jews did not eat pork, and even beef and lamb had to be kosher. So a Jew, after becoming a Christian, always had difficulty eating meat. And, and then there were problems about eating meat that had been offered to idols. And some Christians said that if you did so, that it was actually worshiping that idol. And other Christians says, hey, meat's meat. You know, the fact that somebody else gave it as an offering to idols doesn't mean anything to me. And so they had these very real issues also about which day they should gather to worship. These were relationship-busting issues in the first century. Now notice this. Paul does not take sides. He instead calls us not to correct the weak in faith, but to welcome them, to acknowledge them as brothers and sisters in Christ, and to include them in our circle of friends. Given the sharp divide today, particularly over such issues as immigration, inequality, gun rights, systematic racism, nationalism, Supreme Court justice elections, health care policy, it is very difficult for us to do what Paul calls us to do. It's difficult not to believe that our position is right and the others are wrong, dreadfully wrong. It's difficult not to judge other Christians and hold them in contempt. It's difficult to welcome Christians from the other side as brothers and sisters that God accepts. And it's very difficult to love them. Well, I know what I feel like doing in those times. Anger, rolling my eyes, shaking my head, feeling superior, arguing with them. Exactly what Paul says not to do. Let's read on. Verse 10 and following several verses. 
You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. And let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Wow. You notice that Paul is more concerned about the manner in which we deal with differences than the fact that we have differences. Jesus does not require us to agree on every issue, but he does call us to love. Do not reject him. Do not ignore her. Do not treat him as a second-class way. Accept them, but not for the purpose of arguing with them. Do not accept her in order to debate with her, but, but without passing judgment on disputable matters. So Paul writes, Let each be fully assured in their own mind. So, listen, rather than siding with those on one side of the fence, Paul calls both sides to consider what is required to live in love with conviction. Now, Paul is not saying to believe anything about everything. He's, he is talking about disputable matters. They're important, but not essential. So how do we know which those are? Well, in the previous 13 chapters of Romans, Paul is very clear about what is not disputable. The gospel. How we are saved. That relationship with God is a gift that he gives when we believe in the work of Jesus. So righteousness is by faith, not by works. Un disputable. Paul is also not saying that we should never make assessments about others. In fact, we can and should have healthy conversations about all sorts of topics. Not every robust conversation is judging or despising. Let's fast forward to 2020. Let's talk about church gathering. Do you have any opinions about that? (laughs) I bet so. You know, 2020 has presented constantly changing complex challenges related to how conduct church. And our current challenge is the trickiest yet, how to safely resume in-person gatherings. The logistical details are challenging enough, how to maintain social distance, and how to limit crowd size, and how to use masks, and to sing or not to sing, and what to do for children. The whole conversation is a live grenade. And Evergreen is a microcosm of our community. 
And so it contains a broad assortment of strongly held convictions. So how can we navigate together? Well, today we've learned five helpful attitudes. Number one, I know who I am and what I believe. I keep most of my opinions to myself. I respect you and your responsibility for your own opinions. My heart is open to you and my hands are ready to serve you. I focus on your peace and our growth. We have a unique opportunity this fall to model love that places the interests of others first. For example, someone might find it difficult, even maddening to have to wear a mask during church and to stay six feet away from everyone at all times. You might think that these precautions are needless overreactions. But, but here's the thing. Even if it turns out you're right, you can sacrifice your ideal for a season out of love for others who believe that the precautions are necessary. Hey, even if you think it's silly or even cowardly for someone to stay home after the church is reopened again on Sundays, can you heed Paul's wisdom? Let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide to never put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. And likewise, uh, those of you that think that school and sports limitations should continue should not pass judgment or question on the wisdom of others who think that government restrictions should be relaxed. Churches should strive to honor people on both sides of the spectrum. Yes, it will be costly to keep offering online church services for those who don't feel comfortable attending physical gatherings. Yes, it will be a sacrifice for church members who are sick of masks and social distancing and Zoom to continue to use these for the sake of others. But little is more Christian than a posture of sacrifice. Our new Foursquare president, Randy Remington, wrote this in a letter on his first day. As hard as the pandemic has been, it's taught us that we need one another. We don't have the luxury of going it alone. People need people, leaders need leaders, and churches need churches. It's almost cliche to say it this way, but we are better together. That said, we're not a perfect family, and we are unique and diverse in our imperfection. And that is why we give one another grace, because each of us bears God's image, and together we are a more complete portrait of our Creator. It's not surprising to me that we're not homogeneous or monocultural. Foursquare is incredibly diverse in its unity. We are Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, and Independents. 
We are young, middle-aged, and not so young. We are fathers and mothers and sons and daughters. We are urban and rural. We are male and female. We are people of all colors, displaying every culture and tribe imaginable. But what we have in common is our shared life in Jesus. It is far greater than our distinctions. We need all of us. There's power and unity and a shared identity as a family, as each of us is significantly called and graced by Jesus. Hmm. I mentioned meeting with 30 pastors from our area. <laughs> Trust me, they held very different opinions about meeting in person. Some have been meeting outdoors for weeks. Others are opening now to groups of 50. Some promise to open sometime in the year 2021. One church encourages people to bring food to eat during the service so they can legally remove their masks. Others require mask wearing 100% of the time because of research they cite that indicates that more people will attend if masks are required than if masks are not part of the service all of the time. Out of the entire group, Evergreen was the only church that plans to provide children's ministry when we reopen. Well, who is right? Evergreen, of course. <laughs> well, Paul would probably have an opinion, but he would refuse to take a side. I think he would give these five steps toward unity in diversity. Number one, have convictions. Keep them mostly to yourself. Don't judge or treat with contempt. Accept and act in love. And then pour your energy into peacemaking and uplifting. Let's end with this wisdom from the message, Romans 14.1. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers, who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. Love makes room. I love this phrase. I don't lean to the right or to the left. I lean in. Let's lean into Jesus. Let's lean into relationships. I hope you had an opportunity to collect uh, your communion elements as we receive communion together. I don't know what jumped out at you in this passage we read it today, but one of the phrases that was so striking for me relates specifically to the heart and the intention and the foundation for this entire passage. 
about the finished work of Jesus. And the, the instruction that we are given to not to destroy the work of God. Now, when I think about God's power and his might, it's hard for me to imagine even, even denting God's work. But Paul says by this Holy Spirit, we can behave in ways toward one another that destroy the work of God. What he's referring to, of course, is the unity that we have in Christ. And as we receive communion, we, we celebrate the broken body of Jesus that was shattered apart for our wholeness and oneness. We celebrate the shed blood of Jesus that represents his death and then resurrection for our forgiveness so we can be righteous before God and behave well toward each other. Paul says this, you can celebrate Jesus' forgiveness and wholeness personally, but you can behave in ways with your brothers and sisters that actually destroy the work of God in bringing us into unity. And so today, as we receive communion, we pray. God, help us have well-informed convictions and empower us to accept and express love to our brothers and sisters who hold different convictions. By your grace, we will pour our energy into making peace and lifting up. We receive your body broken for our unity. We receive your blood spilled for our sins. Your love made room for us. Help us love and make room. Let's receive the bread together. And let's drink the cup together. Thank you, Lord. This week, you will lean right, you will lean left. You'll be in conversations with others that lean the other direction. I encourage you and I invite you to join me in making every effort to lean in. See you next week.